When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, presented by Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your Hornets podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us here once again on the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Hornets suffered a loss in their preseason opener at Boston, 134-93, to but they're going to get right back in the saddle again, take on the Indiana Pacers tomorrow, Wednesday, October 5th, for their preseason home opener. And now's the perfect time to start previewing that one for you. Also, talk about some of the storylines that Sam Purley of Hornets.com is looking at for one of his upcoming articles, and we'll talk a little bit more about our reactions to preseason game number one at Boston for the Hornets and in general for the NBA. Helping me on all these topics makes sense. We're going to talk about his article. Sam Purley of Hornets.com is here with us, as is Rob Longo, my producer on the Hornets Radio Network, as well as the producer of this fine podcast. Gentlemen, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me. Happy to be on, as always. Got to get back in a swing of things somehow. We're not quite at everyday status, but it's coming fast, guys. It's al- it's almost here. But for now, we, we get these brief breaks. Hornets took a day off after the loss to Boston, 134-93. to Rob, you and I talked about it a little bit after. Sam, I'm curious, before we get into general reactions to what Game 1 of a preseason really means in the grand scheme of things, your thoughts having taken in the first preseason game of the season. Yeah, I think I use the term like it's a mixed bag. I mean, I think everyone would say that. I think going into it, Steve Clifford said it was basically going to be an extension of practice. These first two or three preseason games, really just still feeling things out. Sound like the intensity was really high for the first week of training camp. And I think there's just naturally when you're running guys, you know, they were scrimmaging. It felt like two and a half, three hours every day for the first week of training camp. I think there's going to be a little bit of a carryover into that boss. And plus, you're also traveling as well. So I thought there was a lot of good stuff. I think obviously you look at the final score and it's kind of got away from there maybe in the middle of the second quarter and then it's kind of in the second half a little bit more when you got different guys coming in you kind of have to compartmentalize what you're seeing and things like that but I was really pleased I think the one area that was really kind of stood out is forcing 25 Boston turnovers I thought was really really good that's been a point of emphasis Hornets were really good at forcing turnovers last year and they only scored 21 points off of them obviously want to probably get that a little bit more but some of that is is it coming in live ball situations is it not so uh, I thought the turnover generation was really really good other than that I think there was some good stuff i mean i think guys a lot of guys had flashes at times but it's just it's one of those things it's like you just take the good take the bad learn from it all for me looking at the game as a whole every moment of the game matters for 
each player individually as they're on the floor. You're always in competition with someone, be it the opponent, be it your teammates trying to move up on the depth chart, whatever it is, there's something on the line every minute of every preseason game for someone who's out there competing. But when you're really looking at it for a sample size of how will this translate to the NBA regular season, there's a much smaller window that you're really focused on, and it tends to be in the first quarter, because that's when these teams are going to be playing either starters or primary rotation pieces. There's not a whole lot of experimentation that goes there. Now, the Hornets went a little deeper than they probably otherwise would have because Cody Martin and Gordon Hayward were not available. But even on a day where the Hornets shot terribly, and this is a good Hornets shooting team, I don't think any of us have any doubts about this team's ability to shoot the basketball come the regular season. This is certainly an outlier. But even on a terrible shooting day, you look up and down at the guys who started the game and their plus-minuses, they're right there with the defending Eastern Conference champions. First quarter, P.J. Washington didn't score, but a net even. Mason Plumley looked good in the paint, two for two, one for four from free throws. Looked a little bit better than that, but overall five points, three rebounds in that first quarter. He was even. Kelly Uber was a positive in the plus-minus. Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball, who combined shot 3 of 17 from the field and 1 of 8 from 3. Again, that's not going to happen very often during the NBA season. Both of them were only a minus 2 or 3 in that first quarter, and this is the defending champs. Now, Boston's missing pieces, too, but when you, you're looking at, okay, in a game that the Hornets lost by about 40, where do you find the silver linings? It's that when the guys who are actually going to play come the regular season are out there, they were basically even with the defending Eastern Conference champs. I think that's a pretty good summarization of everything. When you take a look at the first quarter, it was a five-point game. The Hornets were definitely in it, and they're missing people. And you saw guys like Bryce McGowan's get in there early, JT Thor, Nick Richards, some of those guys that are more than likely going to see some minutes like a JT Thor and a Nick Richards, maybe not so much a Bryce McGallans, but you know, they're still out there still battling, still trying to fit into the mold. And again, I mentioned this after our post game podcast as well, is that this was probably not going to be a great game for the Hornets as from a team standpoint, just because the way that coach Clifford has run training camp the first week is it's basically roll the ball out there and see what happens and see what you need to improve on. So obviously in a 41 point loss to the first preseason game, there's going to be a lot to improve on. And there's obviously some intangibles in there as well. But at the end of the day, you look at that first quarter, if you boil it down to that, it's a five point deficit could have gone one way or the other. But that first quarter overall was definitely solid for Charlotte. The other point in the game where the starters were primarily out there, the start of the second half, and you look at the third quarter numbers for Kelly Oubre, Terry Rozier, LaMelo Ball, Nick Richards, who all started that half, they were all even on the plus-minus. P.J. Washington ended up a minus-three. So the guys that you are going to certainly rely on come the regular season or expect to rely on, they played even with the defending Eastern Conference champs. I thought your point is a good one, Rob, and that's something that Coach Clifford has brought up a few times in terms of how this training camp is structured. It's not quite just throw the balls out there, but there's some loose framework, but the minutiae of the game plan and the details, they're not digging as deeply into that early. They're going to build a foundation and then put the details in after the fact. So that might explain a little bit why things were snowballing so quickly against the Hornets. 
Yeah, and if you look at the box score, too, I mean, there's just some stuff in here that's just anomalies. Like, Boston, I thought, shot really well. I thought some of the... felt like they were hitting. If you look at a lot of the three-pointers, it was a, a, a variety of... They were walking into three-pointers just at the top of the key, and, like, sometimes they're just hitting shots. And I think some of them came off second-chance opportunities, which obviously you can kind of limit by getting defensive rebounds. I think there was a little bit of miscommunication on switching, which I think Steve Clifford pinpointed after the game, too, as being kind of an itch- issue. So there wasn't any sort of, like... You know, and some of it was just transition defense just being a little scattered i mean it really looked like a preseason game you know had you some good possessions and then a, you know not so good possession i think also too with the offense just kind of it got to the point where when they weren't consistently forcing turnovers like they did in the first let's say quarter and a half it started to kind of catch up and eventually got to that defense a little bit more and that would i think was kind of largely what accounted for the 39 point quarters for each the celtics that scored 39 each the second and third too so i think it kind of reharping the same message mixed bag of stuff but there yeah. are positive yeah. yeah, you absolutely have to take take the positives, you know, in the situations you didn't play well, you take the positives and even the stuff you did do well. OK, how do we do better at that? How do we capitalize more on generating 25 turnovers and playing more in transition and getting more points off those? Because I think that's a big way if your offense isn't necessarily hitting shots in a half court setting or is having an off night, but you're generating turnovers. Let's use that. Let's make them run. You know, again, granted, Boston's a very, very good team. They've, you know, some of the best players in the NBA on their team and those guys played well. But I think it's good to have have something on tape now that you can kind of look at that's another team and not only another team but a really really good team and said if you want to be a really really good team this is how you have to play against other really really good teams now that you have a game underneath their belts you can start looking forward to this indiana game you can start looking at the things that kind of they did well on can they sustain in this indiana game and the stuff they need to improve on can they make strides as you go into that second third and fourth and ultimately fifth preseason contest we will preview that pacers game a little bit later here in this podcast one last thought on why fans shouldn't be pulling their hair out or, or freaking out yes the horns gave up 134 points and lost to the celtics on the road the phoenix suns the best record in the western conference last year They gave up 134 points to the Adelaide 36ers of the Australian League and lost at home 134 to 124. I've got an inkling that the Suns are going to be okay at minimum this year. They did have the best record in the West last season. So it matters. It matters for the players out there on the floor in terms of their futures, but it doesn't mean that all of a sudden we're going to kick out the Suns and bring in the 36ers and make this an international league or or that the Hornets don't have hope or that the Celtics are the guaranteed favorite in the Eastern Conference. It's just one data point to consider. Coming up next, a data point from last season that has been a focus of head coach Steve Clifford that was inspiration for our own Sam Purley of Hornets.com. We'll talk about an upcoming article he's working on next here on the Hornets Hivecast. Cataracts made it hard to see clearly. Even movies were blurry, so I went to Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. Now movies are as clear and sharp as they once were. The doctors at Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates offer cataract surgery using the newest technology and lenses with short recovery times. See like you once did. Schedule your appointment today at ceenta.com slash appointments. Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates. They just make sense. Sam Farber, Sam Perley, Rob Longo here with you on the HHC, the Hornets Sidecast, brought to you by Senta, Charlotte Eye, Ear, Nose, and Throat Associates, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. Sam, it's a part of the calendar here. We're not quite yet at the 
day on day off game schedule routine that we're we're going to be getting accustomed to in about a week and a half or so gives you some time to do some more feature articles and you mentioned one that you're working on right now that centers around some of the goals head coach Steve Clifford has for this team statistically yeah, absolutely. He talked about this, uh, I think, in the first week of training camp, and he pinpointed three key areas. It's obviously probably more, but these are the three that he kind of mentioned specifically are defensive rating in transition possessions, defensive rebounding, and then second chance points scored. They're all areas that he is kind of focusing on being top 10 this year. As it stands, as last year, the Hornets were in defensive transition. According to Clean and Glass, they were 20th in defensive rating in transition. So every 100 defensive possessions in transition, they had the 20th best efficiency. They were 13th in second chance points scored, so not too far to go to get top 10 there. And then the one that I think is they're kind of the furthest away from, at least right now, is 29th in defensive rebound. So, you know, I think he's it's interesting that he's kind of pinpointed these specific areas because the transition and, and rebounding is obviously on the defensive side and then the second chance points scored. I think they, that was an area they were really good at last year. So we talk about getting stronger at your strengths, you know, making improvements, even in areas you did well and taking you take another step forward in that offense from last year that was ninth take another step forward too so yeah it's really interesting and in kind of seeing the numbers and there was only three teams that were top 10 in all three of those last year it was memphis utah and toronto all of whom ended up in the playoffs too so if the hornets can do that this year hopefully they'll be in a similar situation we'll get to those three teams in a moment rather the thing i want to bring up with you on this is, is you know we've heard a lot about how there's going to be an added focus on defense with the new coaching staff here and just a, a new season trying to build on what they did successfully last year and shore up some of those areas that were more at issue. Defense was something that's been pointed out a lot, but it's easy to say, let's play better defense. How you get there is what matters. And some of these details gives you a little bit of a blueprint to how Steve Clifford intends to shore up the defense. One is in transition, not allowing so many free runs. I thought that was kind of an issue against Boston, not just the free runs to the basket and not getting back in transition, but also allowing Allowing open threes off some of those early looks in the transition play. And then defensive rebounding. When you are successful getting a stop, you have to complete the play. You you have to force them to punt on fourth down, so to speak. So these are two little ways that we see the direction that head coach Steve Clifford is trying to point this team in to accomplish the larger goal, which is make the defense better and give the team a chance to be top 10, top 15, top 12, whatever it is, both offensively and defensively in the league. Not to get too much into the X's and O's, but you hear a lot of times there's that balance, that delicate balance between defense where it's how much of it is effort and how much of it is strategy. When it boils down to it defensively, what are you willing to give up a little bit more? Obviously, you don't want to give up anything, but the reality of it, this is the NBA. These are elite scorers. Everybody is super athletic. You're going to get scored on. I mean, that's why games are in triple digits for both teams and they come down to the wire. That's just how it is. So do you give up? maybe an open look of a corner three, or do you try to run people off the three-point line? Obviously, you want to have everybody settle for mid-range jumpers, but that is pretty much the equivalent of getting a third and long and getting off the field on fourth down if you want to use a football analogy. But again, the reality of it is it's extremely tough to stop. So what are you willing to kind of sacrifice in that regard a little bit too? Obviously, you don't want to give up a ton of open threes because again, everybody's such a good shooter, they're probably going to knock them down. So you know, it's interesting to see what those stats that Mr. Parley over there is kind of taking note 
note of and see how it works out because we always hear so many times those elite teams, those teams that get to the NBA Finals, that get to the Conference Finals, a lot of them pride themselves on defense and they're a top 10 defensive team. So again, how do you settle that down? Well, I guess it's going to try to be the transition defense because on the other side, if you're trying to look at it from a Hornets standpoint, Charlotte is very good offensively when it comes in transitions. Of course, that's going to happen when you have a guy like LaMelo Ball that can throw a touchdown pass or throw a 60-foot underhand pass like we saw last season as well. So you kind of take your strengths and then you try to turn it into a strength on the other side, a la the transition offense is good. Now we know what a good transition offense looks like. Can we try to replicate how to stop that defensively? So it's almost a yin and a yang that can kind of go together to hopefully make the defense better. I think we've maxed out our football references for this podcast at this point uh, combined. But one more for you, Sam Purley. You mentioned the three teams that were top 10 in those three categories, defensive rebounds, transition defense, and second chance points a season ago. Memphis, Utah, and Toronto All of them were playoff teams, and that's certainly the goal where the Hornets want to go. There is also a little bit of a similarity in that none of these teams have a LaMelo Ball-type player, but all of them had a really high-quality, all-star-level guard that's the leader of their offense, and that does give a little bit of a blueprint as to this is possible here for the Hornets. It's not as if you have to have Rudy Gobert at the back of your defense. One of these teams did, but the other two did not have that all-world center there. They had very good players, and the Hornets need to have better production from the center position. I think having P.J. Washington at the four is going to help that immensely because it just takes some of the burden off of the centers. But regardless, the team has to play better, but you don't necessarily have to have Joel Embiid or Rudy Gobert to become top 10 in these three specific categories. Yeah, a lot of it is just, as Rob kind of touched on a little bit, it's just, it's a buy-in too. And, and something that I've been kind of referencing a little bit, kind of peeling through these numbers and everything is Coach Clifford has spoken, I think a few times now, maybe at his introductory press conference and the media luncheon. So back in his first tenure with the Hornets in 2016, they finished as the ninth ranked defense. And I think he said, you know, the final two years, I think they dipped to 17th post year. I think he said he entered those years and... I think I'm kind of paraphrasing a little bit, but sort of took for granted that the defense would just remain top 10 and, you know, would just kind of continue as it is. And the reality is that's just not how it works. Personnel turns over every year. You know, there's different, you know, personnel on other teams turns over every year. Your schedule changes a little bit, you know, road trips, injuries, things like that happen. Like it's not a guarantee just because you were something last year guarantees you're going you can only go you're going to be that again the next year or if you're 29th in defensive rebounding that oh you know maybe we can only probably get to 24 23rd if all things go well i think it's a fresh clean slate for everybody because you have to think you know other top 10 teams from last year they're kind of thinking the same thing going into this year hey our defense was top 10 last year it'll click it'll you know take care of itself and all of a sudden it's after the all-star break and your defense is 19th or 20th so you know these are obviously kind of lofty goals to be top 10 in all three of these categories but i think that's what you need to do you have to have high expectations and it's not all going to happen at once they're not necessarily going to be top 10 after 10 games but if you get into maybe that 40 or 50 game mark you kind of see where these teams are at and you see that they're improving and they're at least a couple good runs away from kind of getting into that top 10 and making progress throughout the season I think that's ultimately what he what he wants to see he wants to see him improve in these areas so by the end of the season they're in the conversation of being really, really good in a couple of key categories. Next opportunity for some improvement, tomorrow's preseason matchup with the Indiana Pacers. Or I guess tonight's. Depends on when you're listening. It's your podcast. You listen when you want to. Uh, Hornets versus Pacers, the preseason home opener, is the next opportunity to show off that improvement. We will preview the game when we return here on the Hornets Hivecast. 
Hornets fans, make sure you download the Hornets app this season for an enhanced game day experience. The Hornets app is your home for the game day digital program with all the information on your favorite team and giveaways every game day. Yes, the Hive is alive here inside Spectrum Center, home of your Charlotte Hornets. You'll also find predictive games, mobile food ordering, and even a wallet for your NFTs. Download the Hornets app today. Sam Farber, Sam Purley, Rob Longo with you on a game preview edition of the HHC. Hornets preseason home opener is on Wednesday against the Indiana Pacers, or tonight if you're listening at it on game day. Definitely would love to have you out at the Hive for ticket information. Go to Hornets.com. Let's just get right into it. We need a player to watch for each team as well as a statistic to watch. Rob rules are in effect And we will start with Rob Longo. You get to pick which category you want, as well as the player or statistic you've got your eye on. Well, since I have the honor of going first, and I'm afraid everybody's going to take my other picks, I'm going to go with Indiana Pacer to watch. And I think we talked about this a little bit in our preview podcast from the Boston game. It's just kind of hard to pinpoint one person from an opposing team because you don't know who's going to play a lot and and that sort of thing. So I'm going to go with Chris Duarte just for the simple fact that He's one of the younger guys. He's probably going to get a little bit of a more extended run in the preseason, even though he's a very big part of the rotation. And we saw that last year in the home opener, the season opener last year against the Pacers, where he went off for 20-plus points all of a sudden. So solid guy all around. So Chris Duarte is going to be my guy to keep an eye on for the Indiana Pacers just because he's probably going to get a little bit more of an extended run here on Wednesday. Sam Purley, who are you looking for from the Pacers? Well, I'm very relieved now I don't have to scramble to find another guy. But uh, I'm going to go with Buddy Heald. Uh, Buddy Heald arrived in Indiana midway through last season as part of the deal to send uh, DeMontis Sabonis to Sacramento. Also, Tyrese Halliburton was sent back to Indiana as well as part of the deal. Heald had some really good numbers for Indiana last year. He started the final 26 games of the season, uh, averaged eight, over 18 points, is almost a 45% shooter, 36% from three, um, which I think were all better than what he had done earlier in the season with Sacramento too. So he's been a consistently a 40% three-point shooter during out, throughout his NBA career, particularly in Sacramento too. And just with the way the Hornets and how how much guarding the three-point line was kind of a issue up in Boston, I think he's a guy they're really going to lock in on and focus on in this matchup tonight. My pick for the Pacers is Tyrese Halliburton. A bigger point guard, so it's a different kind of look here for LaMelo Ball against the Celtics. They have more traditionally sized point guards, I would say, so he had the height advantage. Uh, This is another opportunity where we've seen a focus on him finishing at a higher clip at the rim, as well as getting to the line more often. This is someone who size-wise matches up a little bit better. Now, LaMelo's still the bigger player, and he has been the better player over the course of his career, but it's a different kind of test, so I'm going to be interested from that standpoint. Uh, And also, Tyrese Halliburton's a pretty good player. The, The Pacers are not in a tank mode, if you will, like some other franchises are rumored to be or seem to be. This is a team that does have a collection of pieces that has done some things in the NBA that gives them quite a bit of hope for this year. It just depends on how quickly it all comes together. And Tyrese Halliburton as the point guard is going to have a lot to do with how quickly it all comes together. Next up, we need either a Hornet to watch or a statistic to watch. Sam Purley, you're first. I got two. So I think I'm going to roll with my statistic to watch, and I think it's going to be the Pacers were 28th in the 
NBA in defense last season. So obviously going up to Boston, and they were top-ranked defensive unit last year. The offense, it looked like, I mean, Boston played tremendous defense. I mean, they're a very, very good defensive team. They have the reigning defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart. I think maybe kind of facing a team that isn't quite nearly at that level could really kind of kickstart this offense, get it into more of a flow, get a little bit more of a rhythm. And I think we've seen with this Hornets team, once they kind of get things going, it can move quickly. So I'm going to go with, hopefully this is a little bit more of a defensive unit they can take advantage of in Indiana. But again, with the turnover of the year, you never really know, but hopeful that maybe they can kind of get some things going offensively, get some early shots to fall from the three-point line. I think they only hit five up in Boston. So that's going to be my statistic slash ranking is that the Indiana was 28th in NBA and defense last year. So hopefully Charlotte can take advantage tonight. Mine is kind of similar because you you threw it in there, but it's three-point shooting and it's less to do with how good the Pacers are or are not defensively or quite frankly how good or bad the Hornets performed in game one compared to last season. I I think game one of preseason at Boston is a true outlier. You're not going to see Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball combined to go three for 14 from beyond the arc or for everyone not named LaMelo, Terry, and Kelly to end up going a combined zero for 13. We're going to see better shooting from this team than that. But last year, the Hornets were a top-five team in threes made per game. They were a top-six team in three-point percentage. While I have no doubts it's all going to come together, it'd be nice to see the ball go through the hoop a little bit more. It would make some of those defensive numbers look a little bit better. The rebounding looks a little bit better when you're not constantly having to rebound your own misses. So I'm going to focus on three-point shooting for this one. It is not a huge concern for me, but I think it will do wonders for this team's confidence moving forward. Rob Longo, your stat to watch. Well, I had three-point shooting pegged, but I think that's kind of the obvious one for everyone. To go in a different direction, give me turnovers. I want to see if the Hornets can get, obviously they're not going to get 25 turnovers again from an opponent, but I want to see if those numbers still have a little bit more of a gradual uptick. I mean, if they can get above, you know, I think the league average last year was maybe 13 or 14, something around there. If they can get up to 16 or 17 against the Indiana team that is not quite rebuilding, but kind of trying to get back on that upswing a little bit from where they were, I think that's a good sign that the defense is improving a little bit more. So I'll take turnovers, and then hopefully those points-off turnovers can kind of transition to that as well. And one other positive from that Boston game really quickly that, that has not gotten a lot of buzz but I think is noteworthy, Hornets only committed 13 turnovers in that game. Preseason games, by nature, are messy. There's a lot of players who are not accustomed to playing with one another. You've got a lot of players who aren't even accustomed to playing in the NBA, handling the basketball a lot. To only commit 13 turnovers in that game, the shooting was bad, they gave up a ton of points, that's that's not a good sign. But that is a big positive that you're at least not adding to your misery by continually giving the ball away. So that's something we hadn't talked about much, uh, but I thought I'd throw in there because Rob jogged my memory. Now, last but not least, we have our Hornet to watch. I will lead this one off. I'm going to go with P.J. Washington. I think there were some good things that he did in that first matchup with the Boston Celtics, but he did a lot of it quietly. He was decent defensively, had some steals, had some good contests against Jason Tatum and other players, but only one for seven from the floor, 0 for four from three. I'll go back to the three-point shooting focus for my for my stats. I'm not concerned about P.J. Washington scoring the basketball, just like I'm not concerned about the Hornets shooting from three. But it would be nice to get a preseason game here where he actually sees the ball go through the hoop and, and just takes some of those concerns away, either from himself, from the fans, whoever it is. So P.J. Washington, my Hornet, to watch for this one. Rob Longo, you're next. I'm going to take Kelly Oubre. We talked about it 
in our previous podcast, after the podcast, blah, 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 we've talked about it at nauseum, or at least I have a little bit, is, you know, obviously Cody Martin and Gordon Hayward being held out more than likely precautionary. It's not a super long or serious injuries for either of those guys. But if it gets to a point where one of those guys are missing in a regular season and they're missing extended time, it's probably going to be Kelly Oubre that falls into that starting lineup. We saw it a little bit at the beginning of last season as well where he made that transition from coming off the bench to being a starter. He had 17 points to lead all scorers against Boston, 6 of 11 from the field, which really isn't indicative of what he was able to accomplish because he was 2 for 6 from beyond the arc. And as we've talked about, not a lot of people shot the ball very well. Nobody shot the ball very well from three-point land. So the fact that he was able to go 4 for 5 from inside the three-point arc is very promising in that regard. I want to see him do it again. I want to see him have some consistency. We've seen what he's capable of doing in the past. He's able to get really, really hot. He also has a couple of valleys in there as well where he's not so hot. So if he's able to be consistent, I want to see it again on Wednesday against the Pacers. Sam Burley, last but not least, a Hornet to watch. Well, I'm over here scrambling because I was going to say Kelly Oubre. So as soon as I heard that, I'm, I'm looking stuff up and trying to find something. But I will fall back on, I'll say Jalen McDaniels. I thought he was kind of a little bit of an under-the-radar, played really well in that Boston game. Ten points, five of seven shooting off the bench. Just about 18 and a half minutes. Didn't attempt a three, which I thought was kind of interesting. So I'm kind of looking at Jalen McDaniels. I thought he had some really good defensive possessions. You could tell he looks a little bit bigger, you know, a little bit stronger, and hopefully can kind of, you know, you could see him kind of going up against guys like the Al Horfers and the Grant Williams and kind of getting a little bit more physical or using his body a little bit more to to force some tough contested shots too. So I think offensively, you know, he, he did a good job of kind of creating some shots and getting to the basket. Maybe he can spread the floor a little bit more and, and you know, knocking a couple three-pointers. I think that would kind of help open up the offense a little bit more for the Hornets overall too. But yeah, I'm going to go with Jalen McDaniel and see if he can follow up a, a good solid performance in Boston with another one here tonight. Tip is set for 7 p.m. on Wednesday. It'll be the preseason home opener for the Hornets at Spectrum Center. For ticket information, go to Hornets.com. Thank you to Sam Perley of Hornets.com for joining us here today, as well as my producer, Rob Longo. Most of all, thanks to all of you for tuning in. Till next time, for everyone here, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Hornets Hivecast. Thank you for listening to the Hornets Hivecast, brought to you by Senta, the official eye, ear, nose, and throat care provider of the Charlotte Hornets. For more coverage, visit hornets.com.